Welcome back to another episode of the Rankable Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank, and I am stoked. This woman, I've admired her for a long time. She is crushing it in our enterprise agency world. Today, I have Tori Gray, who is the CEO and principal SEO consultant at Gray.Company. She's got extensive experience in SEO and growth strategy. She owns both product and marketing roles for in-house and startups in the past and starts her own agency and is just doing really awesome things. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tori. Thank you so much for having me. What a lovely introduction. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, it's like we are part of this SEO community and you and I were just talking about this before of how important it is to support others and that, you know, when people appreciate and respect SEO, then we all win. And you are such an active participant, especially on SEO Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, How long have you been doing that? Kind of what's your perspective in, in terms of our community and lifting others up at this point? Um, I mean, I guess everyone has their own game, but social media is not my, I mean, I came from a background of SEO and social media is not inherent to me. I'm also not what Gen Z or why I forget how they order them at this point, but I'm not a youngin anymore. And I'm not quite the digital native that they are. And I don't inherently get all those things, but what I do get at this point is how important it is to communicate and be authentic and support people. Um, and we have so many wonderful people in this community. Like we have the SEO community is vast and it it's toxic and it is wonderful and it, it it's all these things at once, right? And so if I want to make a positive impact, if I want to help people, if I want to help people bridge gaps and, and learn things little less painfully than I had to learn them. Like that's for everyone's benefit. You know, the more people are out there talking about the value of SEO and spreading the gospel and doing it effectively, the more opportunity there will be for all of us because more people will be doing it and doing it effectively. You know, there's enough work to go around. We can, we can support one another and be good to one another. I, I love it. And actually speaking of which, I, I got to give a shout out for your YouTube series. Um, opinion opinionated seo opinions which is is awesome it's it's you and sam and bigu will have these these different folks on and talk all about enterprise seo and opinions you do them every few months you had one recently out um mm-hmm. with uh, joe from netflix mm-hmm. so cool what's what's the inspiration there what are you trying to accomplish with those uh series honestly it was um <laughs> i'm relatively good at talking off the cuff. Like I can know things and have conversations with people. And that feels very organic for me versus actually like staging a conversation or like, I'm not necessarily on the stage circuit because I don't particularly enjoy creating a deck and spending 40 hours making that and then practicing and presenting and like going from memory that kind of short circuits, my best skill set, which is just engaging Um, So it was a way to create content and to communicate value and to like talk through the problems that our clients are having and get to talk to awesome people and learn from them um, in a way that kind of just worked for me, frankly, that that complemented my personal skill set. I, I, I'm with you on that. Same thing with Rankable. I always get the privilege of talking to awesome people. One one little side note, I just wanted to point out, this is a fun fact about you. So uh, you mentioned that you're 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 not Gen Z and, and you're not a millennial. You you. Proof of the, in the pudding is you named your dog after the POTUS on the West Wing. What's the story there? I am a, technically a millennial. Okay, don't overage me here. I'm a geriatric millennial. I'm one of those two. I'm with you. We don't know what we are in that little like yeah. weird 
couple year thing. Extennial, extennial. Yeah, some like that. Such a such an odd time. Uh, I definitely grew up with the uh, what like um, Oregon Trail. That's what I'm thinking. Like I played that yes. in elementary school at school on the computer. That was, and I remember the dial up and all that jazz. But anyway, how yes. many times Otis we died from wonderful. dysentery? I wonder if I can be sitting right there. I wonder if I, Otis, come here. You want to come? No, he's staring at me like, no, mom, I'm too old for this shit. Um, am I allowed to cast it? Of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was a big West Wing fan growing up. My family, yeah, we were not the uh, Seinfeld family or the Friends family. We were the West Wing family. Um, Interesting. And, and when we adopted him, his name was Washington and he needed a new name. So we went with POTUS and he's very regal. So it fits him very well, at least historically. I love that. Okay, let's talk some SEO. So you do a lot of different types of SEO work for clients. But one thing that we want to talk about today is with consumer data collection, SEOs, PPCs, you get so much info. We've got so much data at their, at their disposal. And yet there's so many ways that it's it's not leveraged to its potential. I, I was just curious the extent to which, um, you know, any examples of under radar that, that where that data is not actually being leveraged? Um, so yeah, to, to roll up a little, like we're, we're talking here about search interest data. So what are people querying okay. search engines? We're also talking about like engagement data that's publicly available. So can we scrape YouTube views and comments and, and what those, um, you know, keywords are that people are discussing around a particular topic? Um, we can be talking about like Google trend data, what's growing, what's decreasing. We can be talking about publicly available data sources, um, about like purchase behavior and changes through the years like there's so much data available to us that you know as people that work in seo we're, we're relatively comfortable working with so what i'd say is the use case like everyone works with is hey there's a thing what do we call it um or so when i was at craftsy we created educational classes and you know should we create class x or class y so content programming we can help validate, are people more interested in subject X or Y? Um, at least to the extent that they know that they're interested in it, right? Um, or is this instructor versus this instructor the expert? Who, who do people know more? We can tell that by like, how many people do they're following? How many people look for their name and branding? So I, I think that's the sort of use case SEOs are very comfortable with and used to providing data for their company. Um, but what I think is that there's a disconnect between you know the executive team and their data needs and like what SEO and what other digital data can be collected and analyzed by these teams and used by them. So a couple of use cases here I want to talk through. Um, you know, the next step is obviously like identifying new markets and new products. Are people interested in this? Should we move into this area? Um, I also want to talk about frankly resourcing and staffing. Like, when should you be doing? When are people looking for things? Where are they looking from them? Are you looking for internationalization and you want to expand into the market? How big is that market there? When are they on? When are they searching? Like, these can help you get better with your customer service staffing. When do you have people answering those phone calls? And 
what resources are you writing up and what niche questions are people asking that you're not answering right now? You can use all of those data points to get better at your customer service processes, make your knowledge base that much better. Um, and yeah, help staff appropriately against those things where we identify a problem and we know the solution and then therefore they can answer it. We can also talk about, frankly, prior prioritizing your product roadmap. So obviously that's the SEO roadmap, but I think that's also the broader product roadmap. You can do that through, um, you know, either helping build the business case that something is interesting or not, but you can also do that through analyzing your own search data and your branded data, as well as that of your competitors. Where are people experiencing pain and how can you solve those problems? Do you want to prioritize a feature? Because your Comcast, your competitor Comcast has people that are very, very angry about something, but you have a particular solution to that. How much should you emphasize that? You can determine how, how are, you know, there's also like sentiment analysis of how angry are they about it? So I think you can use that to help, um, you know, as another data point to help you prioritize effectively your product roadmap. We can also do things like market sizing. You know, are people problem aware? Are they solution aware? Are they aware of your specific product um, within that broader solution um, answer to, to this problem? Do you, is it the right time to have a new startup? What marketing methods are you going to employ as you, as you launch that startup? Are you going to be engaging in SEO or pay-per-click or do you need to be taking more of an advertising basis? Or if you're a VC firm and you want to know, do you invest in this company that maybe has an SEO background, but you know, what if, the problem, you know, people are problem aware and they are industry aware yet, then maybe that's the wrong skill set for that team. And like, if you want to invest in them, help them have the advertising background um, to do that. So I think there's so many different little niche ways that we can use competitive data, um, these public data sources and search data to really help inform businesses and make them so much more <laughs> effective. Um, you've got my you've got my brain going in so many different directions because it makes so much sense. And yet there's so many organizations that aren't surfacing this data. My question to you, I guess, is who is that on? Is this like should the executives be the ones being like, hey, I know as an SEO that you have your eyes on all this different data. How can I, I surface it? Or should that be on the SEOs to kind of take the initiative, be proactive and say, hey, look to all these other departments. I can help you kind of get this data. Or I guess the third option is, and it depends on the resources within the organization, but if you have data analysts, data scientists mm -hmm. that are either tied to SEO or not, how can they be looped into these conversations? Yeah, I mean, I think right now there's a disconnect on both sides because I think SEOs are often focused on the SEO use cases because that's their world. That's what they're excited about. That's what they're learning. You know, that's why programs like the SEO MBA are coming because people are struggling to get to a better level of communication and like presentation skills to actually get buy-in to get their work done. Um, so I think this is a way they could broach that conversation, frankly. They can build trust, they can supply that data, they can analyze it, they can showcase those skill sets. And when those initiatives are hopefully more successful, um, you know, they can be a part of that and help grow with the org. Um, but I think it's also it's just education and like knowing that it, it's going back to like the problem awareness. Do people know that it can be used in this way? If I'm getting your wheels turning, that's that's good because that's what I'm out here to do because I think we are 
we are under leveraging it and we just need to talk about it to get people's wheels turning. And I think that's the same thing with the executives. Like when they want to go solve a problem or, you know, choose their product roadmap or think about staffing, they're not thinking about this data set as complementary data to help them make this decision or choose between initiative X and Y and where do they put their resources. You know, it's not all data has limitations, but the more you can have, the more you can understand that it's, you know, directionally aligned, like your user data and your A-B testing data and all this data is like telling the same story, the more confident you can be that you're doing it in the right way. Um, or if your budget limited and you can't engage in that tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars on your market research, like what's the quick and dirty solution in pulling this data, you know, maybe using some machine learning and experimenting with the modern things to help combine that data and make it and pull meaningful insights from it. Yeah, because ultimately it's it's about the idea. It's the knowledge of where to get it. And then it's ultimately yeah. the execution of the project of like, yeah. Who's going to actually be doing the the heavy lifting? And I think to your point, you kind of touched on this: is this responsibility of the SEO, which we all know has to be business minded, has to always be tied back to the revenue and the revenue streams. Obviously, with now losing sight of the mission, but still, you know, tying everything together and seeing how they can lift up the other departments. Totally. Yeah. Being a team player and, and keeping in mind, like just because it has more SEO volume doesn't mean that's the right play for the business is the other thing. Like how do you present data in an unbiased way that helps support the business, even if it doesn't help you directly? Um, sometimes the SEO play isn't the right thing. Sometimes we choose the way to position the product around something that's searched less because it has people have a higher willingness to pay for that. So like brand positioning is a whole other thing that I love in terms of SEO. Like how do we combine those things and help understand when people call it one thing versus the other, what is their willingness to pay? How many people are interested in one versus the other? Like those can be dramatically different and those can help the brand make a decision that makes sense for them combined with their user data and all these other things to, yeah, to succeed. And and in terms of it's it's funny you touch on brand awareness you touch on problem awareness which is all kind of focused on this idea of the buyer's journey. I'm curious because there you know in, in our community when it comes to personas there's a lot of strong opinions mm -hmm. one way or the other. What's your philosophy on affinity data in the context of that and the buyer's journey? Yeah, um, I mean I'll just repeat like like all data. It's good and it has its limitations and you have to understand the limitations and use it correctly and maybe complement it with other data. So an example might be like, maybe there's a correlation between user liking X movie or, you know, things, these things are connected, but like, there is there data that you can use to understand why these things are connected? Maybe they don't like both. Maybe it's not an affinity for both of these things. Maybe they hate watch this TV show and <laughs> it's connected to people who also like the show, but like the feelings that it evokes and like why they engage with that are substantially different. So affinity data, I think can be very useful in helping you think outside the box and find new opportunities. And if something hits your gut weird, like maybe that means you go get more data to validate or disprove that. Um, like don't stop there is my point. And don't trust and believe everything that lands in front of you because frankly, data is hard and data collection and data analysis is complicated. Like surveys are, you know, your questions can be accidentally very biased. It's a whole art in making that work correctly. 
Um, and it's an even people that are experts make mistakes in that. So really always digging deeper, always asking why and looking for more data. It's like a scientific process, like as things evolve, like bring in more data, keep proving the same thing right. Or when it proves it wrong, investigate why. Is that an invalid data set or did that actually disprove it? And, and why? And like, what are the layers and the complications within that? Yeah, I, lo I love that too, because it's, it's, it's not like anything like a set it and let it like not like link building or SEO. It's it's always iterative because you think about what's happened over the last couple of years between, you know, this this recession coming up in, in the United mm -hmm. States or the pandemic before that is like user behavior has changed so mm -hmm. dramatically. It's like, how long is the data even relevant? hundred percent. And this is like search trend data, right? It is inherently by definition, historical data. That is a limitation of it. It doesn't predict where it's going. You know, you could certainly use trend data to understand what's happening more up to the moment and less like the last 12 rolling months, like what's happening today. Oh, there was a spike, but think of what happened when COVID hit and how much like dramatically changed in the world. Right. Um, it, it can and will change, understand your limitations and use it effectively. And when it doesn't work for you anymore, like I, when I put together a strategy or something, I always want to understand like what are, um, what things are the things on which this data or this plan pivot? If X changes, then we need to change Y and being clear about that and understand that about your data too. It's so it's so tricky as an SEO because it's like, you know, we try to have this long-term strategy. And yet, you know, as we're mentioning with like, you know, user behavior changes or search intent changes or Google flipping things around and, and the SERPs just like being very volatile, it's hard to have a long-term strategy when you're constantly pivoting. Do you think the data can help cement that? Or, or do you think like, how do you kind of think about your long-term strategy with, you know, iterations? Yeah, I mean, I think like most strategies, you know, depending on how often you can afford to pull up and like redo that, um, you know, I think it should be done on a cyclical, you know, is it every six months? Is it every quarter? Is it every year? I think the answer for your business depends on it depends. <laughs> Um, but also there's the, okay, well, a cataclysmic event just happened. So it's time to pull up and something's different. So you can track the data, you can watch what's happening, you can make assumptions, you know, you're, you're going to be making some bets about what's happening in the future, certainly if you're making quick actions. But I also find just trying to aim for what Google or any other search engine wants to move towards helps you stay ahead of those trends. That doesn't mean you won't be tweaking, especially tactically, certain things. Um, but like, you know, for example, how often do we spend time in historically working on meta descriptions and like, okay, well, Google's going to change your title and they're going to change your meta description. Like how much time does it make sense to really spend focusing on that these days, especially after like the whole debacle of like, let's change the character count and how many businesses like, ah, oh, we have to have 300 characters. And then like six months later, oh, we have to roll back. Um, now everything's too long. Um it is a balance and just keep in mind, it is intended to evolve. It's intended to be agile. You have to keep referring back to your data sources and really just trying to document what those assumptions are in terms of your data, in terms of what you can and can't do, in terms of like your team resources, what you started with with your assumptions are not inherently what they are today. So keeping a clear eye on that so that you can adjust when those things change, you can, I think you can be quicker um, to evolve. 
Yeah, I, I I agree with that. Is that it's you have to have agile kind of baked into your processes. Like understand that inertia is is only like kind of leads to failure. You can't just exist and and stop and be okay. Like everyone else is moving. Competitors, Google, you name it. I'm curious. So you have all these great potential use cases for using this consumer data. Why do you think organizations? don't do it? Like, what are some of the roadblocks that are really preventing them? I, I think it's knowledge of, of that it's available, that they understand that it can be useful in that use case. Um, you know, people to some extent, like cling to data or they don't believe it, like depending on the personality, right? Um, and neither is particularly right. Um, I mean, I like data, but I want to be data informed. I don't want to take potentially bad data and run with it. But I think it's it's mostly just understanding that it's available because if you think you need to engage in a market research project that's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars and you don't have that budget, then probably you're just going to go with your gut. But what if you could spend three to $8,000 instead and like really understand what the market is right today um, and make a better decision that you feel really confident about making that bigger investment in and actually growing that, um, you're probably in a better position, right? Um, and and it, it also, to your point, it's like of the different personality types of who, you know, trust data versus who doesn't, I can imagine there's a big, and you, and you do a great job of explaining real use cases or explaining, you know, kind of simplifying things so everyone can understand. There's an education aspect to it too, right? In terms of how you can trust or not trust the data, like that's on the person presenting the data. Yeah, I mean, there's a fine art to it, but I think it's growing in, in, in skill set. Like, I think just defining interest can be pretty straightforward. So if you want to compare X versus Y, what's the total volume of this versus that? But I might, again, complement that with user data um, or user testing to understand how people react to that. Um, there's, there's so many opportunities. But... There's also more resources available. Like Lazarina mm -hmm. is creating all of these amazing learn, learn, machine learning scripts to help us really understand which machine learning scripts do we use and what use cases to analyze what data to pull it all together. Um, but it is very, because of that left brain and right brain, like if you just want to analyze the data, you may not think of the use cases and how to communicate that and, and how to convey the business value. I would also say like, you don't have to be great at both. Like, I mean, if you can, you're a rock star and amazing. Right. But if members of your team can complement your skill set and you can get there as a team, you're, you're still there. You're still benefiting your business. You're still on the rocket ship and you're still growing. Are you great at the data analysis, but you have a team member that's great about communicating that? Like, join forces. Can you move forward? Can you help the business understand? And can you use that to move forward? I that that's a great call out to of the different types of skill sets, because it really is rare to find those unicorns of people who can do everything. And, and it's so interesting in our you know world these days, whether you're part of a very small team and you're marketing SEO is just one component of what you do versus like you're an SEO specialist, like just focusing on technical SEO or just focusing on link building or, you know, whatever component. Um, you do need to be able to work with other people on your team. Depending on what you are uh, in the in the world of SEO, what are some of the ways? Uh, what can SEO start doing today with their consumer data that you think would move the revenue needle for their business? Kind of those specific use cases that you started with. 
Well, I would start with like really trying to consider what those business problems are, having real honest conversations with your boss if you're not sure what those are, or you know, if there's a strategy documented because you're a big enough org, you can be looking at those pieces and just thinking about how what data could I collect to help them understand more about this problem. Are they they have a big strategy, but executionally they're not sure which way to go? Or um, you know really just thinking through that problem and and just supplying the data and saying, hey, look what I found. You can start to have these conversations about it. Once you can get their wheels turning, like, oh, you can use this. Like at Crefsy, I remember the first time I I could say, I can tell you category manager who's deciding which class to green light because that's going to be their results, how well this class versus that class goes, which do you pick? Giving them data was really powerful. And it's not to say they didn't always choose the other one, but at least then they had data to say like, no, this is more important because of these other data points. Um, I think you can get their wheels turning. You can start the conversation cycle. Uh, You can help them feel like you're supporting them in their role. And and that builds a relationship and they're going to share more with you. You're going to understand more about the business problems. Like it, that communication just is so pivotal to me in, w- in the way it can grow over time and help you understand more and provide more value. And, and, and I just to say to that point, I mean, obviously we're talking to a lot of like in-house SEOs, but you know, for both like Gray.company and iPoll Rank, there's the other aspect of being able to leverage your agency to surface those okay. invites. Like I think it's, you know, obviously, like our agencies will will propose those and, and come to you with data, but it's also okay to ask your agency and say, mm-hmm. you know, what else, what other insights are you seeing from the consumer data that you're coming in contact with, whether you're doing yeah. like personas and all that. Have you had that? And that develops relationships too, I imagine. Oh, for sure. And like we we specifically target working with in-house teams. So yeah. like that is our target. We we don't we don't want to be your team. We want to complement your team and help you be strategically and technically excellent and help you, you know, operationally as well, making your content flow nicely and be really based in research. Um, so that's specific to content, but in terms of like the consumer data, that's also definitely a thing we can help with. Like what are, we always want to know what the broad business goals are and we can be suggesting these to them or we're working with and whoever's owning the account and they understand their business in a way that fundamentally as an agency, like we're never going to understand it. They've been there for eight years or four years or whatever. They know the intimate problems. So if they can identify things then we can help execute that and we can support them in their role and we can help them get that promotion and we can help them succeed in that endeavor. And like, that's such a wonderful symbiotic warm relationship where like, I'm helping you, you can be great at what you're good at and I'm going to help you do that effectively and everybody's going to win. You tapped into right at the end there too, which is this idea of like, if you are and who's not trying to move forward in their career is I think Ultimately, when it comes to looking at these data, these data outside of maybe your specific responsibilities and surfacing opportunities for more business wins, more revenue, if you're in-house, those are the types of things that when you surface them and they're acted upon and they generate you know, that momentum, mm-hmm. that's what leads to the promotions a lot of time because needle moving revenue is, is, is the game changer for career growth. Yep. Yep. Okay. I this is fun. I I'm so excited that you you brought up this topic because I I th- find it interesting. I think there's so much data out there, but I am ready to 
do some rapid fire rankings. Are you ready? Awesome. Let's do this. Okay, we're gonna put the 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 clock on. We're gonna we're gonna put some some great intense music and let's do this. Okay, Tori Gray, rank your top three of something, anything that you love most in the world. Um, okay, I am obsessed with Edinburgh, the city. We visited there once. It was the magical, magicalist. It's not a word. I'm making it a word. I love it. It's amazing. It's epic. Um, democracy is pretty important. I like politics a lot. Um, I follow a lot of things and yeah, supporting that and trying to make that a better world is important to me. Um, I also like, um, I specifically like the comic XKCD. It is magical. It is science and sarcasm and romance. And it is weird and hilarious and nerdy. And I don't always get it sometimes, but when I do, it's very, very satisfying. It always explodes your brain. I love that that strip too. Uh, Rank your best SEO marketing win. Um, the thing that I'm most proud of is my time working in-house and working through the years and, and iterating over time. Because to me, that was the hardest thing. Because when I went in-house, I'd had four years of agency experience. And I was having that, like, I'm just repeating the same process over and over again because we worked with relatively small accounts. So I was just doing the same thing over and over and over. And I would hear a roadmap and I would propose it and then they would say no and I didn't understand why and I didn't know what to do about it. But going in house and really saying, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna implement it on year one and I'm gonna grow things. And then the next year, what's gonna happen? Like, oh no, no, I need to do it again. I need to, to scrape the barrel. I need to think of new innovative things. I need to get out of my comfort zone and try new things. Um, I think that that was really, really exciting. And, and I think the results showed from, from doing that. So that was 271% growth the first year. And granted, I was starting from 1.4 million. So it was not... Uh, Context. Context matters, like there was a substantial growth. You know, the next year, another 100%. And the next year, granted, we were pretty mature at that point, but we had certain sections we were growing and I, I grew those another 163%. So that iterative, keep going, keep being creative about new things. Where can we move the needle? Where can we focus? Where can we move a higher conversion rate against this thing in order to move, yeah, all those pieces. That's amazing, not easy. Um, okay, rank your top three SEO tools. Hard question because goodness, we use a bunch and we love them. Um, so my go-to is probably, I'd say Cycle. I think they do such an amazing job of like really providing things you don't necessarily find out of the box with most SEO things. Like they have really amazing accessibility functionality that I'm very excited about. Um, the way you can do JavaScript audits with them is amazing. I love it. They're such a huge tool set and way we, they're built into our process for that, as well as like Core Vitals audits. Um, they are just, they're great at listening to their users and um, building things that are meaningful and real. And I love that. Um, I also always love Screaming Frog. They're 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 just they're wonderful. They're um, they just really get the job done the quick and dirty way, and I and I love that. Um, I also really love ClearScope for content optimization on page. Um, I'm definitely a fangirl of that tool. It really helps me think through quality content. 
Um, I'm definitely not a person that says like, no, you have to repeat this keyword six times, but I like seeing the other keywords that they suggest that maybe my content brief wasn't as you know detailed as it should have been. And I should have brought up subject X, Y, Z, or if it's bringing up a bunch of subjects that I don't want to talk about and don't make sense to talk about, like, am I covering the right subject or not? Um, again, it's data, the right data at the right time to help me make a decision. So that's why I love that one. Ah, oh, such a comprehensive tool. Um, rank your best SEO trick or tactic. Um, goodness, it's not quite a trick, but what I like to do, especially in this world where we can create content at scale uh, using tools, I think what really is going to matter in the next stage of this world is, is providing unique value and unique perspective. If you're going to write about the same subject that's already about the, out there, don't just reinvent the wheel. I'm so sick of reading the same article that's spun in 15 different directions every time I Google something. So I, I think that's what's going to help you stand out in the future. Can you explain it in a clearer, better way? Can you include more information um, that other people aren't? That is, is really important. So you have to have the good you know, optimization set, but it also has to be uniquely valuable. You hear that, Google? Yeah, we're, we're tired of seeing you give us crappy results over and over. Give us, like, they need to incentivize actual different perspectives, right? With good I mean, that's such a thing of, like, the, you get operationally, oh, we're just going to keep repeating, we're going to keep doing this, and then it just stops working because everyone can get operation, like, the world evolves. Mm -hmm. It was a competitive advantage to be operationally perfect. And now we have to have more subject matter expertise, but you ideally do it at scale. So how do you do that? Um, right. I'm with you. you know. I'm, I'm with you. It's it's <laughs> it's it's frustrating. Yet we're it's getting closer, like iteration by iteration. Yes. Rank. Okay, this is a fun one. Rank what you love most about SEO. Uh, well, there's things to love and things to hate, and it, it's sometimes just so exhausting to keep up with all the things because I'm not a youngin anymore. It was very exciting in the beginning years, and all the things were always changing, and it always kept me interested and very, oh, I have to learn this, and then I have to learn this. But, but even today, even when that's exhausting, what I really love is how complex and layered things are and how you need to think through the why and how you can create and craft a solution that makes sense for a business that's maybe not perfect best case whatever that means for seo or best practices um but maybe is the right solution for the business at that time um, and i like thinking through those complex problems with those complex stacks that's what i'm i'm really engaged at is figuring out a new way um, or the right way to do this with these edge cases involved and you put it on your like scientist cap and creative cap. <laughs> Rank your best learning SEO resource. Ah, uh, it's not. It, it's a process for me. The best way that I have learned throughout my career is ongoing conversations with engineering teams. So it's not something you can go read. It's a relationship that you need to build. But the more because we're mostly working with custom stacks and, and engineering teams um, that build. So I can't necessarily go read a resource about how WordPress works in this way, right? Like I need to talk to a human, I need to learn how this particular system works. I need to understand how the software development process works so I can figure out how to insert myself into it and do so effectively and in ways that support them and make the product better at the end of the day. So those conversations are so foundational to where we are today and the way that we can communicate not just with the executive team and like get things green lit, but also with the engineering teams to get them built. 
Um, oh my gosh. And so, so many engineering teams, are, they're, they're almost like archivists in a lot yes. of ways, you know? Okay, this is the most unfair question, but rank the top one to three SEO or marketers that you most look up to. This was very hard. Um, such an interesting one. Um, so what I came up with was, um, I'd say my go-to would be April Dunford. She has a book on brand positioning that is magical to me. I like things that are like SEO related with a twist. Um, typically like I want to think about it in new ways. So as I'm thinking about my business and launching my business and trying new things that I was less comfortable with and how do I hone in on what Ray Dot wants to do and who we want to be in the world. I think her book is, is amazing and it helped me approach things in new ways. And that is a special skill of hers. So I love that. Um, I'll also give a shout out to um, Marshall Simmons. He's a news SEO expert. So he's not necessarily like active on the social media stuff. He used to run SEO at the New York Times and I was fortunate enough to hire him when I was um, previously in an in-house role. So he and his team helped me as the in-house SEO um, figure things out and it, it was eye-opening what it could be. The level of service, the level of insight, and the way we could deliver what was really impactful. So I think he just does kick-ass work and um, very impressive. And my last one, I'm gonna say Will Reynolds. I think he does such an amazing job of not only being like authentic and living by his values, but also being really vulnerable and accountable to himself to learn over time out loud, which is, you know, Again, social media is not my thing, so I, I don't I don't know how, but I admire that he does it so well, and he's willing to make mistakes in public and learn from them and grow from them and try things and help his team grow and support them in a really authentic way. I really love that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you about well. It's really cool to see like those those conversations and see in real time as he's like processing other opinions and and learning yeah. from it. And to your point about April, like obviously awesome is the name of her book, and it's so on point of like positioning, messaging, SEO. It almost like feels like it should be that sort of like process. I mean, obviously should. Okay, finally, uh, and this is my, one of my favorites, but rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote. Um, so what I've chosen is the Alabama Abortion Clinic. I think it's alaabortionclinic.com. Uh, they Bubble are work. a local, um, so I mean, obviously we want Planned Parenthood, obviously we want things to support all of the things wrong with the world right now, but as a woman-led org, this is something near and dear to our hearts, and this is healthcare that women are getting in a, in a, in a whole state where they're not getting it. Um, so this, among other women's centers that are getting women the health care that they need, we think that that's important. That's where we where we donate, at least our most recent one, and we want to continue to support them. Um, women deserve to live and make good decisions about their bodies. I love you 100%. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll keep the link. We'll have the link in the description notes for that if you want to contribute. This is all I okay. I know I know you're 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 a self-proclaimed non-social media person, but if people want to find you online, Tori, where's the best way to get in touch? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Tori Lynn. Lynn has an E on it. You can also look for gray.co. Um, you can find that on Twitter as well. And I'm Tori Lynn Gray on LinkedIn. And I, I do engage, I do share things. Um, I do enjoy it, but I mostly want real authentic relationships with real people, even if they're digital. So come, come say hi. And I'd love to learn from you and, and hopefully provide value back.
Hell yeah. Yeah. Reach out. Tori is awesome. Um, so personal. A great follow as well. Uh, finds good stuff. Thank you so much for being my guest. This was an awesome uh, episode. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Um, talking about all these things is, is so much fun. You're so engaging. It's just lovely. So thank you. It's a pleasure when you have that conversation. Okay. We're signing off. My name is Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank. We will catch you next week. See you later. Thank you.